All right, I'm super excited about tonight. So tonight, uh, we are doing a little bit of something different that we don't always do, but every year we kind of have, probably this time in the spring, we either take a month or a night and we dedicate it to uh, interviewing people who have incredible stories of God touching, shaping, uh, like literally like transforming a whole situation into something beautiful. And I was thinking about this. Stories are more powerful than anything. Isn't it interesting that when God gave us a book in the Bible, he didn't just give us facts about himself, but he actually gave us a story to reveal who he is? There's something extremely powerful about story. And so tonight, we're going to hear from Jeff and Jen Dickinson. I'll introduce a little bit more about who they are, but long story short, they've been a part of this church for 23 years, and uh, we're actually part of 710. Before it was called 710, it was called C2 for college and career, so super clever. Maybe we'll go back to that name sometime. And uh, if you were here probably three years ago, Jen was kind of featured in a way in our, <laughs> that's the wrong word, but I'm going to use it, in our, in our baptism video. She has an incredible story of just being liberated from uh, sin but, and coming to know Christ in an amazing way. I don't want to spoil the story, but they're also my small group leaders, so I get to have them and I get to be in their house every single Thursday night. It's an incredible time, and so... Without saying anything else, I'm just going to invite Jeff and Jen up. Can you guys give them a big clap? I promise, this is the most nerve-wracking part, just walking up to the stage. Um, how are you guys doing? you got to turn on your mic. Hurry up. you got to do it real fast. Doing it. We're great. Good. All right, Jeff, Jen, how about you uh, introduce yourselves a little bit to the community? I mean, some of them know you. We got RC in the front row, so they're, they're, they're repping tonight. And in the very back, yeah, somewhere over there. So why don't you introduce yourself a little bit, who you are, what you do, and yeah, we'll go from there. Jeff, you can start us off. You go first. Yeah, so um, where, where, how far do you want, you want to go back? <laughs> How about you just start with, what do you do in life right now? Uh, so I own a swimming pool service and repair company for, I do for work. Um, been doing that for, I don't know, over a decade. Um, yeah, most of my life. <laughs> Adult life, more or less, off and on. Um, so yeah, always kind of had my own business, entrepreneurial spirit. Um, you know, worked for myself. Uh, got saved when I was about 20 years old. Um, <laughs> I hope there's a lot of those tonight. That's great. Um, yeah, God saved me. Um, grew, grew up uh, not in a Christian house. Um, parents were divorced when I was in high school. Uh, went through, you know, the whole kind of gamut of drugs, sex, you know, alcohol, all that kind of thing. Um, and he redeemed me from that. Uh, I met Jen shortly after that. And we started dating. I was 16. Yes. 16. He hadn't, How yeah. old were you? I was 20. Ooh. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> first <Yep>. lesson. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I just, just kidding. I just get it. I, I just get it. Yes, for sure. <laughs> there was a big lesson. Well, here you are. Yeah. Yep. Here, here you are. are. Yes. You so, have three kids. Yeah. We have three that beautiful be daughters. Two somewhere. of them are right here. Two. Yes, two Thanks of them are Thanks for right coming. There. That's great. Um, She's been married for, well, 20, 23 years. 20, 24 years. 24 years. Next yeah. month. Jeff, what do you like to do when you have free time? Um, I love camping, uh, backpacking, um, being with other men, hanging out, 
outdoors. Yes. Pretty much anything outside is great. I um, feel like you're what I aspire to be. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I pretend, but Crystal's like, no, you're not anything like that. Actually, I, I th- so I met, Je- oh, actually, I feel like I need to say this right now. Jeff and Jen are kind of like hosting the camping trip, the Canyon camping trip. So when you finish, to- yeah, I know. So you can thank them in advance. And then if you go, hey, I want to spend more time with them, you just come on the trip this you weekend. You should come. Next weekend, it'll be great. All right, Jen, a little bit about you. So one of the things that I know about you is you run like 13 miles literally every day. That's not an exaggeration. Like I was on Strava app. Have you, know, you guys know the Strava app? Literally nobody. Okay, so I'm not going to go into uh, it. There's like an does. app that Nico records does. your he runs. He didn't even raise his hand. And I would like, I'd be like, I'd run for like four miles. I was like, man, I killed it. I went, I went four miles. And I was like, I wonder what Jen did. And she's like, 13 miles yesterday and today and tomorrow. And I was like, it's unbelievable. So I, you run I all the time. It. I stopped doing the app though. I felt bad for you. Yes. <laughs> um, I feel that. I do enjoy running. That would be my uh, go-to thing to do. Um, I, unlike Jeff, was raised in a religious home. I wouldn't say Christian home. Um, but I was not a believer, ever. Strangely, though, we met at a Young Life camp um, mm. uh, called Beyond Malibu on a backpacking trip. So hence the backpacking love. And I have since getting out of, changing my life around, got back into backpacking. Um, but I've not been a believer for as long as him. I would say it's been, well, oh, it's been two and a half years. So um, October, no, sorry, September 14th of 2021. That's great. Okay, we're gonna, when I was saved. We're going to jump into that in a second. Okay. But I just want to say this. So this is an incredible kind of like moment of how I met Jeff and Jen. So me and Jeff served at summer camp and crew dads together, uh, even though I wasn't a dad when we started. And, uh, but I was a crew dad. And I remember, um, I think I might have shared the story here in 710, but it was probably beginning of this year. I was in the prayer space and I had one of those moments where you know, you're looking at the ministry where it's at and I'm realizing we have a huge gap in small group needs, like leaders, like we have no leaders essentially. And I'm in the prayer space and I'm like, hey Lord, so, I don't know if you're aware, but we have like no small group leaders at all. And we have these young adults coming that want to be discipled in the way of Jesus and want a place to connect. And my answer right now is literally, we don't have anything for you. Thank you for coming to church. And so I was in the prayer space. and I was like, Lord, you have to show up. And literally, I, I'm not exaggerating. I show up to work the next morning and I get a call from Jeff at like 7.30 a.m. I was like, who's calling me at 7.30 a.m.? Like, Why is Jeff calling me? So I call him back. I was like, Jeff. He's like, Corey. I was like, hey, <laughs> you know, like, what's going on? And he's like, hey, I just really feel like um, my wife and I want to start serving in 7.10. Is there anything that you guys have? And I was like, not at all. We don't have anything. <laughs> but it was an incredible story. I just feel like why I love them so much is I felt like God said, all right, Corey, all right, Jeff and Jen, you're going to partner together in this ministry to love on young adults. So I just love the beginning of how I got to know you guys. So, and yet to mention you were at 710, kind of at the beginnings of all that. So let's do this. I'm going to hand it over to you guys. You got married at what age? And then take us into the journey of your story. Uh, I was 19, and you were 24. 24, 23, yeah. So you um, waited until she was 18, mm-hmm. at least. Yeah, he proposed, oh, yeah. He proposed to me on my 18th birthday. <laughs> yeah. Kept it legal. That was part yes. of the rules. Yeah. Um, yeah. Got married very young. Um, started having kids. But I had I had Chloe when I was 21, and then we had Paige, and then three and a half years later had Callie. So quick family, very young. Didn't know what we were doing. Um, 
I was extremely unhealthy through the whole thing. And this guy is amazing because he's <laughs> still here. But um, <laughs> um, what happened? What happened? Let's just let's just let's well, just jump in. The, what happened? The irony is, you know, the story begins, you know, almost fairy tale like, right? Like, so we met, uh, like she mentioned, going to a, a backpacking trip. It was a high school with some young adults mixed in, and so we met, you know, the first time um, and went on a trip, and, and there was attraction, obviously. Um, and I was not a believer yet at this point. Um, got saved shortly after that, but, um, you know, we... I was start, pretending to be. Yeah, she was... She did, she did a good job of pretending. Um, and for me, I, you know, I had been in a world of you know, broken and terrible dysfunctional relationships and stuff. And so I thought, oh, this girl, she goes to church and was raised in the church and all these things. And, you know, I thought, oh, this, this, this should be, you know, this should be good. So we start dating and, you know, there's a, a physical struggle all the while as a new believer. And I did, really didn't have, um, you know, any mature adults walking along with me to kind of help navigate, like, what does it look like to date as a Christian? And, you know, like, what are the next steps, that sort of thing. And, um, you know, it, it was our relationship kind of continued to progress physically. And so the culmination of that ultimately was, even though I felt like, oh, man, there's some things here, red flags maybe that aren't the best, I thought, well, if we just get married, that'll kind of fix everything, right? So, Did you have wisdom in your life at all no. saying this is a bad idea? No. We thought we did. Yeah. You thought yeah. you did. So as, as it turned out, the, my primary mentor at the time was a youth pastor who was actually having an affair with his intern. Um, pastor, head the, pastor's daughter. Yeah, the head pastor's <laughs> daughter. And we had found out shortly, um, what, two months after, we got, after we got married, he had done the ceremony. And then two months after that, we found out that, you know, that he was having an affair. And so that was mm. just one more thing for her. For me, it was kind of like, okay. I mean, it, there were several moments like that along the way where... God really just sort of kept telling me, you know, keep your focus on me. Man's, you know, going to let you down. They're going to disappoint you. Um, and so really, yeah, like we got married. Um, and quickly into the marriage, I realized that Jen was not really the, the spiritual person that I had hoped and, and thought that she would be, was. And, um, you know, really, I began to grow and get involved in certain uh, ministries and things, but it just always felt like there was this sort of block for me. I, I just couldn't, you know, get past um, uh, the the dysfunction. I mean, our relationship, you know, quite honestly, um, it was it became really more of a partnership um, than anything. Once we had the girls, um, you know, Jen was a, a great mother to them, keeping them occupied and, and getting them involved in things, but. Um, you know, really, I just always focused on my business, and, and it was it was difficult because, like, we just, we had no connection, um, you know, uh, no intimacy, quite frankly. Um, I, we really, until a couple years ago, um, I never knew what that word meant. After being married 20-some years, that, that yeah. I never so experienced that. two, three years into marriage, yeah. you're on fire for Jesus. Mm -hmm. She's not. Yeah. What's, what's going on in your world? I was just tagging along. I always thought to myself, like, I don't feel any different than, like, people that go to church feel. Um, I remember, so at small group, you said you'd show up to, like, meetings, and you were, like, or, like, small groups or whatever, and you're, like, what are all these people excited about? Yeah, or, like, um, I remember we actually went back to that backpacking trip two years in a row after we met 
we went back in uh, dating and then we went back engaged. And I remember one of the questions on the top of the mountain was like, everybody like went around like, um, how's your relationship with, with Christ? And everyone's like, oh, I'm this and it's struggling and it's hard and the pressures and this and that. And I was like, that's fine. Like that was my answer. Like I don't, I'm not struggling because I did not have one at all. And didn't even know what it felt like to have one because I was literally just going along with the flow, hanging out with the people at church, doing C2, doing children's ministries. We had the first, ba- we, we actually went with the church plant to Tempe. It's like a whole bunch of young kids from C2 went and planted the East Valley Bible Church Tempe, um, which ended up sort of falling apart, which for me was just another dagger to the heart with church and church people. <laughs> mm. um, so I just, yeah, I was just playing along to stay married and kind of have the house and have the kids. And So you, okay, so you're on fire for Jesus. You're just faking it in a sense. And you're continuing your marriage. And then what kind of unfolds as time goes by? Uh, we had a lot of house moving and, and things like that. But all along, I struggled very bad with anxiety and depression. And a lot of it was hidden. I didn't talk about it. I didn't have anyone to talk about it with. Um, I struggled with anxiety like when in middle school, even. And um, it kind of just got shoved under the rug by my parents. Um, our, their view of our household was like, had to be picture perfect on the outside, and I kind of tried to take, or I took that with me into our marriage, and just, you know, the girls looked cute, and the house was clean, and um, we had no relationship, though, and um, the anxiety sort of took over, and that's when I discovered alcohol, and I think probably like 15 years ago, so <clears throat> is when I started drinking, how did that um, happen? You said I discovered it. Like, do you remember the night or morning or whatever it started? I remember the alcohol. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Strangely, um, I, I remember having too much of this almond champagne one night, and I was like, I am so relaxed. Like, and I had, it's not like I hadn't ever drank before. You sure. know, like high school, we did dumb stuff and um, toasted our wedding, but I had never drank to like the point where I was like, oh, this is an easy fix for mm. my anxiety. Um, and it escalated to about 13 years ago when I was actually like hiding it. Um, and that's kind of when we started to unravel as he would find hidden things throughout the house. And so I'm curious, so, so you start okay, dabbling with alcohol in an unhealthy way. You're wrestling with discouragement in your marriage, trying to process things. You're saying you're hiding it. When did you start to pick up on, okay, my wife's just not into Jesus, and then now there's something else going on? I mean, early on, I knew, like, it was one of those things, like, <clears throat> you know, shortly after we got married, I think, as, as I continued to grow in, in my faith and, and sort of spiritual disciplines and seeing, you know, people transform, and, you know, we talk about the fruit of the Spirit, right? And I'm like, gosh, 
she's just not fun to be around. And there's just a lot of, you know, negativity with her. And I mean, a lot of people that, that knew us prior to, you know, experienced sort of, you know, what we would lovingly refer to her as prickly and like different things. She just, she always had a, a mask, you know, she always had a front, wouldn't let people, you know, more than an arm's length from her, including me, quite frankly. I mean, like there was, you know, I mean, we just having, there was no depth of conversation. And so it was for me, yeah, as the years kind of went on, it was like, we had the kids right away, which I love being a dad. I absolutely adored my daughters having them. And so that was kind of, I just put, you know, my joy was in having children. I thought, well, this is, you know, must've been why God brought us together. It's just for me to have kids. And, you know, I'll, I'll stick, stick out the marriage just for them, you know, even though I'm really lonely. And I mean, it was marriage, wasn't anything like I anticipated it was going to be like I you know and it and and as the years went on for me I mean I definitely grew you know a root of bitterness that just was like you know I for a long a lot of years quite honestly I mean well so like what she mentioned like 13 years ago or so I remember I came home from work one day and it came into the garage uh, and found, um, a, I don't know, it was like, or maybe it was, I was opening up a tote to put some things away or something, and I found a, a half-empty bottle of vodka in a tote, and I was like, what is this? And so I kind of asked her about it, and, and that was sort of the beginning of the, the manipulation and the lying from her to me. It was, you know, she played it off as to being, you know, somebody that worked for me that came in the garage and must have left it behind, and so I confronted a couple of guys that, that worked for me, and no, all the while knowing, like, there was just something in my gut that I'm like, she had started, you know, like, I knew that, that there was drinking was happening, but I was in total denial, and I was just, it felt like, okay, so I confronted it, she denied it, and then, you know, really that began sort of a pattern for me of this, you know, Sherlock Holmes trying to always figure out how, how am I gonna, you know, how, how can I confront her with this and she would always lie and it was just this whole term gaslighting has become really you know big um you know lately in in, in our culture and stuff but man she was the queen of it i tell you mm. um i just need to pause so i remember when i heard this story in my small group I'm like dang they're raw towards each other and jeff will say them like are you allowed to say that in front of jen you know <laughs> one of the things that i love about their story and i just want to give you freedom now to do because it's going to be helpful for this community you guys have a beautiful like intimate relationship with Jesus that I know is still in progress. Like they spend every morning on a couch together, reading their Bibles together and praying together. Like the story that God brought out of this is amazing. But I think for them to know just the raw emotion, like they're not being rude to each other. Like they're going to say things that like I hated my life and stuff like this. And because I hear say when there are people in here suffering from crippling anxiety, like as a pastor, especially with like Gen Z, uh, millennial uh, generation, like, I think, I don't think I'm exaggerating when I say 85% of my coffees are related to crippling anxiety. And the reality is crippling anxiety and mental health can lead to really dark places. Yes. And one of the things that I just want to say to this community, if you're hearing this and like, well, I'm never going to go drink alcohol and use it that way, you're missing the point. We all have ways that we cope with our anxiety in unhealthy ways. And we like to justify it based on circumstantial or better than that person or not better than that person. But I would love for you even just to share what's actually going on in your mind. Why are you drinking? Why, like, just take us into your world. And then, Jeff, I'd love for you just to be raw about how you felt about walking with somebody who is in this place. Because if you're not struggling with something like this, we know that we're called to love people and walk with people. And some of you in the room have family members and people in your lives that you're walking with that are in really crippling, challenging places, right? 
Okay, we're going back. Okay. Keep going. Um, well, based on what you just said, I will say uh, anxiety, like I was afraid of myself. Um, and the alcohol numbed it just enough to, for me, like it, it, it clearly ruined relationships, it ruined so many things and gave it, it brought out the, the fighter in me that brought out some family drama and some stuff from the past that is the result of my, or is why the anxiety and depression and um, was there. And I think him find, starting to find alcohol and being like, you need help and you need to do this. Um, actually, I started going to therapy a little bit and opened up with a therapist about um, some sexual abuse in the past, which opened up some conversations with my parents um, in regards to my brother, um, which opened up a huge, a huge scale of why I had the anxiety in the first place. And if I didn't do that, and if he didn't make me, uh, we would never be here. Um, so making me talk to somebody, and this is before, like I was still drinking through all of this. I was drinking through the therapy. I was lying to my therapist. Um, that was like four years ago. Yeah, I was going to therapy drinking. Um, but I was talking about it and um, we did have to cut ties with my parents um, because of the emotional abuse that came out of me trying to get healthy. So me talking to them about what happened in the past um, as a way to heal turned into, you need to like not do that and our family's perfect kind of thing. Um, so Jeff actually had to write them a letter saying they're no longer allowed to contact us, which brought about more drinking because that's really a hard thing to do to, to um, sever a relationship with your parents, but it needed to be done for me to get healthy. Um, Her dad was extremely abusive emotionally. And, um, yeah. So you experienced abuse as a kid. From you're, my brother. I think you guys from got your that. brother. And then you're experiencing crippling anxiety growing up, which is feeding the feeling to, be, to numb yourself. You're drinking. Then you're trying to get healthy and then you're experiencing now emotional abuse Backlash and getting healthy, and then you're drinking again. I'm curious for you, you knew her story, <laughs> and you knew all the factors that were contributing to her unhealthy patterns. Did that create compassion in you to walk with her, or did it at first, and did it wear off? Like, I feel like that's a, I think when I like sit with somebody who's gone through like a story like that, I'm like, I can't even, it makes sense why you're struggling, and at the same time, this is really hard. Yeah. Um, I mean, the crazy thing is, is, you know, she shared, I knew um, going into our marriage, some of the abuse that she experienced. And, you know, I guess, again, that's another one of those things where I was, you know, 20 something and had experienced a, a bunch of dysfunction myself. And like, I didn't even have a bucket to put in what she had experienced and how to process that. Like, I had no clue that this was going to you know, this is definitely coming out sideways somewhere down the road, right? Like, I mean, I think we all know, I mean, it's become, I mean, I love that it's become so, you know, spoken about that trauma, you know, it, it's, it's real and experientially and it, you know, it, it comes out sideways, you know, somewhere at some point in time, you know, mm. if, you, if you don't deal with it and, and try to heal from it. And so, um, you know, like I hearing and knowing that story, it's like, I think that was part of 
God's grace for me, just all the while knowing, like, she's, I know she's hurting, and she, she wants to do better. Like, there was good in her that I saw her. It just, man, there was a lot of moments. I wouldn't let him in <clears throat> Yeah, at all. like, it just, it was, it was so, it was so frustrating and so lonely because she just couldn't, you know, get past it and couldn't get through it. And, um, you know, and, and really once the drinking started, like I said, I, I thought the loving thing to do was to, you know, just to try to manage the family and try to, you know, just like I, I was, I was, that's all I was doing is just kind of managing emotions in the house and, and trying to keep things calm. I mean, that's like, I've learned the last couple of years a lot about my own personality and kind of how that factored into how I, I handled this situation and, you know, just wanting to kind of keep peace at all costs and not confronting, you know, the, the situation. And I mean, at least not to the degree that was necessary, right? Like, I mean, I could come to her and, it, you know, we just had these constant, you know, sort of blow ups where things would, you know, I would find something or experience something and then I, I'm like, I would just leave to process it and she would just kind of manipulate, get me to come back and so then I'd come back home and, and I just, it was, it was never actually dealing with any of the, the, you know, emotional abuse and stuff. It was just sort of, okay, I can go to sleep and wake up tomorrow and it's a new day and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move on and get over it. And so I came, got really good at compartmentalizing mm. and not dealing with my, you know, sadness and, and loneliness and brokenness as well. Um, until, you know, one day when it all finally kind of just... And sadly, I didn't really care. Yeah. Like, I didn't even see him as, like, an emotional being, mm. which is, oof, that's, like, mm. really sad to think about. Mm. So, so you're in the state, unhealthy patterns. <clears throat> I've been married five years this <laughs> summer, which is crazy. And it's funny, in marriage, you realize patterns can only go so long mm. before they blow up. <laughs> so I'm assuming you're in this pattern, you're going for years. I mean, how long was it? Were you just managing it? And then when was the point where like, th there was a shift and things really started to boil? And what happened from there? Yeah, so it was, I mean, it was over a decade. But like she mentioned, mm -hmm. it probably, like I said, really, you know, when, when the drinking became prevalent and then there's just sort of this, this kind of ongoing pattern. I mean, I had, it, it got really manic like about four and a half years ago or so she she got to got it escalated quite a bit um the holidays got crazy i mean we had just some super dramatic blow-ups and stuff and um i i was at a point then and i mean i like it was so difficult again like i'm trying to navigate the right thing to do and and so like you know my, my lifeline was like my sister I'm, I'm really close with she's her and her husband are believers and my mom I was around, um, you know, my dad's passed away 15 years ago. And, um, you know, so those were really kind of my two lifelines. And, you know, they're all the while just telling me, like, you know, you got to leave her. You got to, you know, just get divorced. Like, you, like you, you can't do this anymore, you know. And, and but there was just this part of me that wanted to do the right thing, you know. It was like I had grown bitter to the situation, but I wanted to do the right thing and, and honor God in it, you know, even though, it felt like, you know, there's so many moments where I'm like, well, this is just, this misery is what sort of he signed me up for. And, um, but I He's also. making me more like Jesus. Yeah, that's. Which is true. Yep. yep. <laughs> but you can kind of just treat that as like, well. And meanwhile, is, like, yes. we're, we're a very busy family. Yeah. Like, we're sports and gymnastics and dance and all the things to keep yeah. us distracted. Yeah. So it's not like we're just sitting there dwelling on drinking. It's like. We knew the drinking was a problem. It was being hidden. It was being found. It was causing fights. But we're still doing life. Yeah. Um, it was very, very like 
lonely housewife closet drinking, like, I was the stereotype, mm -hmm. for sure. Yes. Um, but yeah, and then, you know, when things escalated, uh, you know, like she mentioned, she had got into therapy for a year or so. And um, like I saw some behavioral changes, which, you know, quite honestly, like while she was doing that, like gave me a little bit of hope, like, oh, you know, like maybe she's finally addressing some of this stuff. And it gave me and, hope too. Yeah. I was just still drinking. Yeah. But that was, you know, that was sort of at the end of the day, you know, I mean, there was sort of a, a final moment where, you know, it was September 10th, 2020, because um, it was the day before her birthday. And, and, uh, September what was the day before my birthday? What? What was the day before my birthday? 13th, the 12th. This is it. Sorry. This is, this is real Sorry, marriage. Pages. <laughs> no, wait, what's wait, The 20th. Gosh. Oh, my God. Okay. Hey. Anyway. Give me a break. Day before my birthday. Yeah, anyway. Moving on. The day on. before your birthday, yeah. Yes. Um, uh, I, had poured, I had poured 750 milliliters of vodka into a Yeti. That was not a very good hiding place. Especially not in the front seat of the car. In my car, um, yeah. Oh, wow. Um, so I'd gone out the car to get a, a mask for, um, you know, we had somebody coming over to the house to, to buy a piece of furniture, something we had listed for sale. And um, well, I was like, this is COVID. Uh, this is why COVID, you wear, yeah. Do you wear this masks is, when people come COVID, over? Which is, which <laughs> like, I don't know what's going on. You know, like, I mean, very my, beginning of COVID. My, yes, okay. that was like, I praise God for COVID for, you know, because literally it was one of those things where it brought such intense, you know, like we were around each other all the time and it it was like there was no escaping it right mm -hmm. like i mean we were there, there was enough goings on before that that you know we could just continue to live There's as roommates. yeah yeah there was just yeah. you know things going on but um because it was just so intense anyway yeah so i it was uh yeah we had been out running around and and i went out to the car to get a mask and i was like well this wasn't here two hours ago and um, i knew she'd just been out driving and gone to the, the gas station or whatever and and I just, my, once again, it just, it literally felt like somebody stuck their hand in my stomach and ripped my guts out. And I'm like, okay, I, like, I can't, I can't do this you anymore. Broke. Like, this is not, I, I broke at that moment. And she came back down and, you know, I just looked her in the face and I'm like, I'm not going to listen to another lie that you tell. I'm, I'm done. We're, I'm leaving. I'm taking Callie. Um, and, you know, she kind of, she didn't even fight me at this time. She, I think it was... I don't know. It is out of lies. Yeah, yeah, she was done. And, and an important part of the finding of alcohol that he's done now multiple times is um, I've always struggled with suicidal ideation, and I would definitely threaten it to him um, mm -hmm. as a way to manipulate him back, um, which is terrible. Um, but the first time I attempted suicide and was unsuccessful, I was in high school. Mm. And so I knew the feelings, I knew how to make people worried about me. He's called, he had to call the police on me one time. That was embarrassing. I like tried to run from them, like at my house with my children there. Mm. Um, so that's part of why I think he stuck around is he was scared I would hurt myself. I was a hostage to he the was. situation. I, I was very good at manipulating him to stay. So, yeah, thought I'd add that important factor. Yeah. Um, so you say, I can't do this anymore. Mm -hmm. You broke. Yeah. What happened after that? Uh, I took my daughter, my youngest daughter, Callie, and we went to stay with my sister and brother-in-law. Um, and I just, yeah, kind of started to shut down and was like, I don't, you know, 
it just, my mind was blown. You know, quite honestly, it, it was just like, initially it was, there was so much fear. I had, I had so much fear about what was gonna, you know, happen, you know, it, like just devastating the family. That's again, like I said, why I just wanted to keep it together all the years. I'm like, if we could just get the girls out of the house, you know, and then I can deal with her after we graduate. I mean, that was my mentality, literally. Um, I just, I didn't want, I, I thought I was sheltering them from the, you know, the dysfunction, um, only, you know, that I find out later that that wasn't at all the case. Um, but, um, you know, and, and what really, it was, that was, for me, the, the, really the transformative part of my story and walk. Like, I had absolutely grown, you know, a root, of bitterness and, and frustration and anger at God, quite frankly, because I'm like, why, why are you doing this to me? Like, this, this mm. is just, you know, I was, it was just, had this, the, that perspective, like, I, it, this just doesn't seem like this would be what you want, right? And, um, but I also had this notion that, you know, I was her functional savior and, you know, trying to, if I can just do the right things, if I can just, you know, whatever it is, meet the needs that, that she's lacking in, then, you know, she'll be okay and, and, and things will get better. And it was really that moment where God broke me too and, and I wrestled and I finally gave up control and, you know, I had to give, I literally had to turn her life over to his mm. and say, God, I don't, I don't know, like, if she's going to take her own life, like, I, I, like, I have to be okay with that because she's, you know, like this situation, it can't go on like this. I, I knew without, without a shadow of a doubt, the only way she gets healthy is if we break the pattern and, and you know, put, separate the two of us and, and begin to sort of grow and work on our own. And so for me, that was sort of a line in the sand. And I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm going to move forward, you know, without her. And it was this, you know, process of, okay, like what's the next steps? And I mean, there was just, I mean, I was on my knees constantly. I mean, I had God and provided. And I was just trying to get him back. Yeah. I mean, at, at that moment, I mean, God just brought people and family, you know, family and friends around me and we just prayed and wept and, and I mean, just endlessly for her to, you know, finally just be broken and for God to save her and bring her into health. And, and, um, you know, uh, uh, so, you know, sobriety and, and all that recovery. Um, and, and so that was, yeah, a couple, you know, several weeks, a month in, you know, I, I stayed away, uh, lived up with my Would, sister. I just want to say this. Will you, you just, like, go over a couple of weeks, a month. That's a long time oh, to it, sit. It I like mean, if any of you have, like, sat with somebody who, one, you're concerned they're going to take their life, they're in that state, you don't even know, like, I think of, like, young adults and that are anxiety around when's the person going to come, what's my life going to look like. You've already had a whole life, and you're like, what's going to happen to my marriage, yeah. you know? There's pro. I don't know. There's probably part of you that wants out yeah. and then part of you that wants in. Is that true? Because I feel like if I were in your shoes, and correct me if I'm wrong, I'd go, well, maybe I just leave and this sounds way better because this is sucks. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And you love her yeah. because she's your wife. Mm -hmm. And he, he was at his sister's house and I was, well, I, at first, I was only in the house one night and then I went and stayed in a hotel, like mm -hmm. an extended hotel. Um, when he wouldn't, he still wasn't talking to me. Um, so you put up a clear boundary, like, I'm mm -hmm. not communicating. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I didn't know what to do at all or who to call. And at this point, I didn't have my parents. And obviously, I didn't have his family on my side. Um, so that was really scary, really scary. And um, yeah, I was in an, I'm just going to share this part. <laughs> um, so I was in an extended stay hotel. and. 
this is the day after my birthday. So I did that. I did that pretty fast. I stayed the night at our house, and then oh no, it was on my birthday. Saturday night I, was when I left. Yeah, yeah, I was like, why is he leaving? Like, and he took our youngest. So I'm like, that's dumb. I'm gonna leave. So I told him I was gonna leave, and I like packed all my stuff in the car. Like, I took my bike. I don't know what I was. I don't know where I thought I was going, but <laughs> but all the things I could think of in my car. And I wasn't I, at this point. I was. I that when he found that alcohol, that was the last sip of alcohol that I had. Um, but uh, was in this hotel and the internet is an amazing way to figure out how to take your life like easily and like not messy and I was freaking out and I had um, I had a friend come over she's like I'm going to bring you a birthday cake and that was kind of silly. So she came over for a little while and we chatted and like, I didn't really feel like celebrating my birthday. Um, and I don't know if we, if I was texting you, I don't know how the church got involved, but well, I met with Brian. Oh um, yeah. And they had talked about, um, my like suicide, uh, like attempt in the past and threats. And he's like, do you think she's going to hurt herself? And he wasn't sure. I was going to, and um, they, Brian and Julie Berger were trying to find somebody to... Real quick, sorry. What? For those of you who are new, Brian, Brian Berger oh. is the next-gen pastor here at this church, so he oversees all of next-gen ministries. He's, yeah, part of leadership here. Anyways, that's who Brian is. But also, most of you, we've most known of you know the burgers, who he is. But we've also known the Burgers yeah. um, for, from the get-go. From C2, yeah. Yes. I mean, we've been friends with them for 20 years. Um, so so. They, they, they knew me <clears throat> and all my crazy ways. And um, anyways, he they couldn't find someone to call me, and I, I guess they used my find my location, but I had taken probably 150 Benadryls, and I was just going to peacefully lay in the hotel bed, and Brian Berger knocked on the hotel room door, you already had taken it, or you were mm -hmm. going to? You already yeah. had. Well, I think he, he, he might have texted me and said, I'm downstairs, like, what room are you in? And I was like, oh, this is not going to be good. So um, this is why I say Brian Berger saved my life, because I knew he was coming up, so I threw up all of the pills in this, like, big pink foamy pile. Sorry for that. And um, Brian Berger came into my hotel room and sat there with me, and... I tell him all the time, he saved my life, because he probably did, because that was a lot of Benadryl. Um, and an easy way to, in, in my mind to go. But um, he sat with me and he told me that he had talked to Jeff and in, his, in the nicest way, he was saying he doesn't want to be done, but right now he's done and he needs his space. And um, he got me through that night. And he, then I was told I could go back home, I think, and that's when I had, like, a, my battery was dead, and Jeff wouldn't even come help me. <laughs> like, he would not, he would not see me, yeah. because he knew that I would try to manipulate him back, um, which obviously I was, a suicide attempt would be a way for him to come see me, and it didn't work, um, which is good. Um, so fast forward just a little while, it, we... I clearly now I'm detoxing myself, which was not fun. Um, but he was still staying with his sister. You stayed with your sister for a while. A month. 
I was back home. We finally decided to meet. He came to the house um, and told me he signed a contract with a divorce attorney. Mm -hmm. And I lost it a little bit. Mm. I think he told me that I handled it better than he thought I would. (laughs) Um, But I was also sober at this point. And um, said, we're going to get you an apartment and you need to go to rehab. Basically, we just wrote down the rules that this is what I need to do or you're not. And, and the end result was not necessarily going to be him, um, which in my mind, that's all I wanted at that point. Um, and I needed to have somebody change that in my in my heart, mm-hmm. um, that I just needed to get better for myself and not to win him back. Um, but in my manipulative ways, I convinced everybody that I only needed to go to IOP, which is intensive outpatient therapy. Um, so basically, you live on your own and you go drive into the rehab and then go back home at the end of the day. Um, so we got an apartment. He came with me to do it all. I was like walking behind him, like. <laughs> <laughs> like the apartment guys were probably like, "What is going oh, on?" So awkward, yes. <laughs> well, it was so awkward. It's like he's like, "Oh, so excited for your new apartment." Your new home. Yeah. Um. Anyways, I <laughs> was doing outpatient rehab very unwillingly, and um, you are looking at a person that was getting kicked out of rehab. So I can check that off my bucket list. Um, but my therapist in rehab, Marnie, bless her, um, was in contact with Jeff the whole time. And um, I had been doing the classes and the talking and, you know, kind of like faking my way through it, I guess. I wasn't drinking and that was the goal, but I wasn't like healing. And, um, when they found out that I had had suicide ideation attempts in the past, they called Jeff and said, uh, we can't do therapy with her and then send her home because to do the therapy they need to do, it's gonna be hard and they don't want me to go hurt myself. And so she needs to go into housing at rehab. And I was like, no. <laughs> so in the end she said, okay, well, they called him and said, we're, we're kicking her out, like against medical advice, leave, and she can't come back. So um, that was cool. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, had to think about that. I went back to my apartment crying, so telling him, I, I can't, I can't go live with these people. You, you don't know what these people are like. And I had every reason I was about to start my job at Amazon because that was another thing I had to get a job because this whole time, this whole time, I'm a housewife. I stayed at home. Um, So I had to get a job and so I was about to start at Amazon. I thought I was doing great. Um, I wasn't. And Hmm. so I felt like then they were plotting against me to get me into housing. So much drama, you guys. Oh, I was so dramatic. It, It was, well, it was bad. Um, but they got me into housing. At the end, Jeff said, I'm not taking you. You have to find your own ride. Um, I caved. I took her. He did cave and took me the next morning. Uh, she was crying. It was like we went into this house, and it was like, it's, it's, it was like a custom home that they have a bunch of drug addicts like in that are trying to... 
healthy, but I mean, it's like, I walked in and I was like, you already know these people. You've spent the last like two months and they're all like, hey, Jen, she's here. And it's like, I'm like, what are you crying about? Like, well, they, saw, they saw my name, like new roommate on the board and they're like, it can't be that Jen. There's no way she would come into housing. And then they saw me and they were like, what, you're here? I was still not happy about it, but I was there. You're like, that makes it a little better. They're excited everybody. to see me. Oh yeah, they were. Well, yes. once my my girl Lily hugged me. She's um, I I don't I don't know. She she got me through a lot. But um, then he's like, you'll be fine. And I guess he wasn't even supposed to be inside. So then they told me I had to leave. So we had like an emotional hugging, and he left. And which was such a gift because I was for the first time was given permission to not have to talk to her for like a week. Mm. And then I, um, I like, took and, phone privileges away, yeah. all that. And it was just like, I mean, that's so like, I mean, for me, all the while she's going through this, like I said, that was what was so, I mean, it was diff obviously it was extremely difficult, but like God was already sort of pruning me and like preparing me. Like, I mean, I, I, I it's, it's amazing you guys, like the, it truly, the darkest parts of your life can be the most fruitful. And mm. I mean, I, it sounds crazy, but like when I think back on that time, like I was like, there was, without a doubt, I've, I've experienced God's closeness and, and comfort and peace in the midst of that. I, I mean, I had no idea how it was gonna turn out, you know, whether there was gonna be a marriage, what was gonna happen, you know, what the next several weeks had to unfold. Um, but it was like, I had complete peace and, and it was just literally like, I'm like, all right, God, I, what do you have for me today? Like, I, this is, you know, there was a number of other things that, you know, we don't have time to go into that or, you know, just sort of his hand working details out, but, um, you know, and I was again, still trying to find phones to text him. Yeah. Um, but so she goes in and, and I leave and just felt such a sense of peace. Cause I'm like, I, I know she's safe. I don't have to worry about her hurting herself. Like. I can, you know, I can just go and sort of begin whatever this next sort of phase of my life is going to look like, you know, potentially without her. Um, and uh, had, a, had an appointment, you know, the following week to meet with the therapist um, and with her and, and the therapist. And so it was, that was going to be the next time I saw her, um, you know, and during that time is when, you know. The Lord met Jen Stuff on the changed. massage table, and, and <laughs> all right, uh, we're gonna, we're gonna pause there because we're gonna get to the massage table. It's a great story. Uh, but I want to pause real quick and say uh, they're gonna wrap up their story here in about five ten minutes. Um, but Jace, if you can put the number on the screen, I know as you guys have been listening, I, I'm many of you are relating, connecting to this in your own way. Uh, if you text that number. That number is, that boys, that's not Jade's actual number, but that number is going to go to Jade's phone, and then uh, we're going to leave like 15 minutes at the end for you guys to ask questions, uh, and it can be really, they're an open book, and they've said, so whether it's abuse, suicide, ideation, uh, walking with somebody with an addiction, what they've learned, um, text that number, it'll go to Jade, and then we'll get to ask them some questions, but all right, back to the massage table. Uh, some of happened? you have heard this story, but... Um, so, next morning, I'm in housing. I'm totally not for it. Uh, I get a text message from Marnie that says, well, Jen is, I'm going to give her to the end of the day. Um, she's decided. This is she my second time almost getting kicked doesn't out of the Doesn't want to, you know, do the program. Um, and so, we're going to have to let her go um, if she doesn't, you know, decide to, to kind of get with things. And so, you know, I just text her back, said, I'm going to be praying. And, you know, we'll see. See what happens. Yeah, so I was sitting on the floor of our little classroom um, in a little ball, mad, and 
it was a nice, it was a holistic rehab. Um, so we got like massages and acupuncture and all kinds of stuff. It was great. Um, I don't recommend going to rehab for that. But um, <laughs> there's uh, other places yeah, there's for that. Just <laughs> <laughs> go get those things done. Um, they come in with a little sign, put your name on the door that it's your turn to go get a massage, and I just shoot them away. I was like, I don't want, I don't want to talk to anyone. I don't want a massage. Um, this is this is this is coming right after I met with the therapist and also did not speak to her, which in turn she texted him and said she's not talking. Um, so like we're gonna have to let her go because um, I was so mad at her. But um, I was shooing away the, mas the massage therapist, and then she opens the door. She's like, you always want a massage. And I was like, I don't. And then she's like, just come. And so I was like, fine. So um, I reluctantly went to get a massage, and I had you, know, you take your clothes off for a massage. So <laughs> that's part of the funny part of it. But I was getting the massage and knew this was it. Like... I was gonna go home, but not to home, and I wasn't gonna have a husband. I didn't know what was gonna happen with my girls. I was just laying there with my face in the little hole, like, I don't know, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know where I'm going. I just started praying, and at this time, I'm, I know who God is. I'm not a believer in all of it, and I am not kidding you. It's like, it was like from a movie, something just came over me and I jumped up from the massage table naked. <laughs> and I was like, I need to go see Marnie to the girl. And she's like, like right now, Marnie's the therapist. And I was like, yeah. And she's like, well, I can go see if she can see you again. And so I put my clothes on and I don't know. I didn't even have clarity about what I was doing. I just knew that I had completely surrendered to something and I got up and Marnie took me in the office and I said, I am here and I will do whatever you need me to do. Like, I surrender. And it wasn't because I thought about all the things I wasn't gonna have because I already didn't have them. And um, I could see where my life was gonna be without them. And I, I it, it, was, it was crazy. And, Marnie looked at me and said, well, I just texted your husband that you were probably going, getting kicked out again, so I will call him. And she said, I'm so glad, and I feel like I can finally hug you. Can I hug you? Because I was like, don't touch me this whole time. Hugged my therapist and went back into the classroom and started my journey to actually healing. And it has not stopped. And it's been amazing. So take me back to the massage table. <laughs> was that the moment that you met Jesus? Yes. And describe that moment more. Like, because he's like, I surrendered to something. Would you, ex I, like, I how, was, how would you describe? I would caveat that, though, with, like, the several weeks prior to that, like, she had, for the first time, started, like, I had sent her a couple of, like, Tim Keller podcasts um, and some I different things. I was listening to she things. Was she started I, listening to things and was, like, it, it, like, I felt like God was already doing something there, starting to stir in her heart. Um, and, you know, like, we were having conversations about some different things, just, like, via text or whatever. And it just, it, for me, from my perspective, it was like, you know, that person where you're like, oh, man, like, I, I've, like they're not totally closed off anymore. Like, she was, like, started, you know, it, it, it really felt like God was starting to do something. And so... Um, I think I still didn't know if I was just doing stuff to 
pleased you mm-hmm. or if like I really was enjoying reading things and trying to relate to stuff in the Bible um, or if I was just doing it because I knew it would make you happy and mm. like it would be steps towards reconciliation mm. um, at that time. But on the table, I, I, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. It, it was crazy and I felt like a different person and I remember at um, classes were like finishing up that day and we went home and then we just kind of have dinner and went to bed but um, well we have like a little powwow and I don't know I was like I was happy in the house and I remember the next morning when we do our little meeting before we go um, carpool back to rehab um, everybody did their like high low or like what they're thankful for and we would read from a book and um, Lily said, well, I'm thankful that Jen is finally in because I was miserable to everybody. Mm. And so, and then like the next person that went was like, I'm thankful that Jen's finally in. Like, I mean, they were totally making fun of me because they had been dealing with me for mm. however long, mm. but um, they could tell something, something happened mm. too. So mm. I was in and... And that was a, that was kind of the, for me like you know a week later when we met, um, right? You know I hadn't seen her for a week and I showed up to you know meet her to go to go and to meet with a therapist and I walked in the courtyard where she was standing and and that was what I mean there was like she carried shame on her like in her face and in her being like you spent time with her and, and you it would experience the the shame that she felt it was it was tangible it was visceral and so like for me to, to walk up and I literally saw my wife smiling for the first time. And Is that when you went to Target? It was. This is not a Target shirt. I wasn't wearing a Target shirt. The girls I was in rehab with were like, wait, you're seeing Jeff like for the first time. They're like, we need to go to Target. You need to look hot. And Ken, I don't know Kendra can see or not, but he's like, cracks up at that he's like you went to target to look hot but and meanwhile kendrick was wearing a target shirt when he said that <laughs> i was like don't you dare don't you dare do that <laughs> yes but yeah no i mean it just i like i said i walked up and and uh she was smiling and i'm like it was it was unbelievable like it truly um it, i saw joy in her in her eyes and her being like the first time I had had ever experienced, and I mean, I knew like something happened. I hadn't even heard the the you know this that story yet either. That it kind of unfolded you know later on, but like I saw the physical manifestation of that that shame just being replaced with joy, and it was like you know at that in that moment you know I just got this sense. It was like okay, God, like you're doing something. Like I like I prayed for this for 20 years. Clearly, you're on the move, and so I was certainly encouraged by it, especially after we met. You know, and I sat with a therapist for an hour and, and, you know, like she just, just hearing her talk for the first time and actually like bearing her, her soul and, and actually, you know, like there was things like there was, it was just like, I was just totally, I was, I was enamored. Like, I'm like, I don't, I don't know what's happening right now. This is not, this is not this, the person that I married. Right. Well, it was, yeah, it was, it was incredible. Yeah. So, okay. I, w- I do want to leave time for yeah. people to ask questions in three minutes. How would you wrap up your story? What Christ has done, where you are today, like, how would you put a bow on what God did in your guys' lives and marriage? 30 minutes. <laughs> I know, I know. I mean, I know. obviously, you know, it, there's, I mean, the story is redemption. I mean, fast forward, you know, we were separated, got, got back, to, I mean, we started, a, we dated we started dating essentially for a couple of months. 
um, you know, within a couple months time period, I realized like, you know, this is, this is for real. Like she's a new creation. And, mm. you know, we start, we, I mean, we were started, you know, this a totally, our relationship completely transformed. It was, you know, and, and that was what I prayed beforehand. I'm like, God, the only way this thing ever works is if we come back together in this thing, two completely two different, different people. people. And he literally did that mm. for the both of us. Um, I just, and, I, I'm sorry, you're going to talk the whole three minutes, so I wanted to say really quick <laughs> that you can have four. Can I have four. wish I, I wish I didn't like I know it wasn't my choice, but I wish I didn't wait so long. I was mm. I lived with such anxiety and fear and of people and of, of of everything of being judged of myself. I was I was afraid of my like I was I was just a mess. And I wish it didn't take 20 years, but I wish I had someone to talk to. I wish somebody would have told me to open up. There's so many things that like somebody could have helped me. And I think that that's like, if you're struggling or if you, like anything, just find somebody. And I just, I wish, you, you guys have like an amazing leader. Like there's so many things you guys have going for you at your age that I feel like, well, we just didn't have. Uh, not that that's an excuse, but... Do you feel like you didn't have that or you didn't take advantage of that? I feel like we had a lot of damage Maybe a both. done. Yeah. I feel yeah. like we probably could have seeked it out a little bit more, yeah. but based on the initial, our leadership with the scandals and there was just, I just... Oh, sure. I just backed off. I was yeah. like, I'm not going to... I don't want these people to lead me. They're not like, trustworthy. Yeah. Um, which I think, by the way, speaks a lot to uh, Gen Z generation and their cynicism towards authority in general. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then that translates to, and then you just have scandal after scandal yeah. in the West, in the US with church leaders. Yep. So like, mm -hmm. I, I'm aware that there's a, I have to earn their trust, mm -hmm. like big time. Mm -hmm. And you're, you're dealing with that, going through pain, and you're like, where the heck do I even turn? That's yeah. real. Yeah. yeah. Can anybody relate with that? <laughs> Yes, that's great. <laughs> okay, let me ask you. So, uh, let me ask you this: Based on what God has done in your marriage and in you personally, what's your favorite part about where Christ has brought you to this day? Whether it be in your marriage or personally, like, what has God done in you to like this is who I am today, and I love this about where I am today in my walk with the Lord. And then we'll pivot to some questions with Jade. I mean, for me, like I said, I I think. This, this ministry has sort of been the culmination of, of a lot of that, like just have an opportunity to do, like, I mean, like I said, for me, when we first got married, that was like my vision was like, I, I wanted to get involved and kind of be, you know, around ministry and do things and stuff and, and felt like we never had that opportunity. And, you know, what I didn't realize is that, you know, God just had it 20 years down the line, right? Like, so mm -hmm. like, I mean, and I think for us, just recognizing the importance of, like she said, you know, relationships and, you know, I, God, you know, people have asked, you know, like, yeah, it was, it was 20 years of, of a really, really difficult, you know, experience in, in marriage, but, um, I mean, no joke, I wouldn't trade it. Like, the, the level of intimacy that we have, like, our relationship is, is amazing. Um, like, truly, like, I, she's my best friend, mm -hmm. and we love hanging out and doing stuff together, whether it's, you know, climbing a mountain or jogging together. Or, just normal you know, things. Just normal, normal things, do. yeah. Just, yes. just whatever it is. Just hanging out, <laughs> spending time together, laughing. She makes me laugh. Um, I, and, like, I, um, it's, 
it, it was like truly like the gift that I, I never an anticipated, um, you know, what that lengthy seasons of patience would, would look like and turn into. And so, um, yeah, I, I don't know. But, but then having the opportunity to come and get involved and be in, you know, this ministry with, with young adults. And, and I just, I, I think we both really have a heart to, to, to do this and share the story of brokenness and offer reconciliation and restoration, you know, for that, that there is hope, you guys. Like, and be honest yeah. about pain and mental struggles and I mean, all the things that like the generation before us definitely just shoved yeah, under the rug. Yeah. I mean, that's what I, my dad said, just forget about it and move on. Yeah. Like yeah. you can't, you can't. And then yeah. that, then you end up like me yeah. and yeah. that yes. doesn't work. Yes. Yeah. All right. I'm going to transition to Jade. Actually, we have to use one of your mics. Is that cool? Yeah. Jeff, can you hand yours over? Guys, clap for Jade and Jeff and Jen. Um, okay, so we have quite a few good questions. So some of them are a little lengthy, but we're going to get through as many as we can. Okay, Jen, do you still feel an urge to drink, and especially when things are difficult? No. Wait, is that on? Oh, um, no, I don't. Um, and I know that's not, that's not normal for an addict. I think about it, I, but I don't, I don't want to. It took so many years of my life away that, and I think through therapy, what Marnie taught me is you have to be angry at it. And so I'm angry at alcohol and I don't want anything to do with it, so. What, okay, sorry, Jade. I, I'm gonna move right here so I'm not what, in the I think way. the person probably asking that question wants to go back or has a temptation to. What would you say to the person who's come out of an addiction and they're looking over their shoulder a little bit. It's like they're looking forward to Jesus, but there's that temptation to go back to Egypt, to slavery. What would you say to that person? Just make sure you have somebody to talk to. Um, I definitely went through a phase of, well, what if, what if I got sober and I got out of rehab and I didn't get Jeff back? Do, do I think that I, wouldn't, that I would have stayed sober? So like I play that over and over in my head and I think I would have stayed sober. And I think it's because I had an amazing therapist that gave me tools to use to want to be that way, regardless of having him or not. I had to do it for myself. And I think that that is like the most important thing you need to think like, even if you feel better for the minute that you drink or, you, or whatever your addiction is, like you've got to do this for yourself, not for anybody else, but a therapist is going to get you there. So, and yes. I had a really good one. Yeah, that's great. Okay, thanks, Jen. Um, what are some of the direct impacts on your daughters from the brokenness you had in your marriage, and would they be willing to speak into it? Did you write that question? <laughs> yeah. Okay, what are some of... We won't of, put you on the spot yeah, unless we, you yeah, really want to. Yeah, if you're not to, comfortable... But you can speak uh, but, into but that. But I feel like this... I think this is directed towards them also, and then if you wanted to, but... Someone asked, what are some of the direct impacts on your daughters from the brokenness you had in your marriage, and would they be willing to speak into it? So that's two questions. Yeah. Um, it impacted them greatly, I think, and it's been... Um, two and a half years of rebuilding relationships with them. Um, it's been really hard, 
harder for a couple or one than the others. Um, but um, it's been me having to prove myself over and over again that I'm a new creation. And for a long time, and actually sometimes it still comes out, they would call me like old mom or new mom. Mm. Um, which was like funny for a little while, but then it's like, I'm, I'm gonna just be new mom. Mm. Um, but I think it's still a work in progress. Like it will always be. I think relationships will always be. Yeah. Um, I, I think that, I don't, what are your, what are you? Oh, you need the microphone. Yeah, I mean, I think there's this the, this term that we hear, inherited trauma. Um, and I think our girls definitely um, experienced, you know, the, the weight of that and, and kind of the ways that we showed up. I mean, again, looking back, I, I see certain, I mean, she's not the only one that, you know, the, the addiction wasn't the only fault in, in the, where the dysfunction came from. I mean, again, like, I, I mean, I spent over a decade enabling it and, you know, not handling it. I mean, that's, that's the thing, like, like love is actually confronting sin and and that was a big lesson for me was was that like by by trying to just manage it myself i wasn't actually loving her and um but anyway th as far as the girls go yeah i mean there's there's obviously um just a lot of i mean we have i feel like there's been you know they witness um you know a different communication form for us and the way we talk through things and work through things now which is completely you know different than it was before and and um i, I mean I, i'm thankful that all of them are living at home right now because um it, i feel like it's given us sort of an opportunity like my my greatest desire was that they would sort of be launched well and they they learned a lot of unhealthy uh, patterns of of communication and dealing with conflict and things and so we're really you know trying hard to to uh you know repair that and 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 build some new you know new hope and and and, and ways in which that we can do that as we talk through stuff and so um it, it definitely feels like god is you know continuing to to repair and restore that but certainly they you know there was impact there for them mm. yeah. Thanks, guys. Um, what's something a friend did that made you feel supported in this struggle? What's something a friend did that made you feel invalidated in this struggle? Mm. Is that for me or for, for her? There's no... Oh. <laughs> There's, sorry, I felt like I just like, yelled at everyone. Um, there's no person directed towards this, but I think you both have very unique uh, perspectives from this story that I feel like it could you both could answer. So how did you feel supported and how did someone not support you or you felt invalidated in your struggle? Yeah, I'll, I'll go first. Uh, for sure, you know, like being around the church for a long time, uh, you know, I sat with a lot of different men um, over the years that really didn't know how to sort of encourage me or, you know, uh, it, I, for me, it just became sort of this pattern of, well, I just need to do better. I got to do something differently. And, and that'll be, you know, sort of what makes our marriage work and, and will bring her into this, you know, into a relationship or whatever. And so it, it really became really focused on, on me just trying to, to improve myself in ways that I love her better and, and do things better, um, which was just super discouraging because it was not like, I mean, 
not having somebody sitting across from you that, that can't really empathize with what your struggle is, um, it just, it, like I said, it, it, melt, it, it just made me feel more and more lonely, quite, quite honestly. Um, but, uh, you know, like, again, we mentioned Berger, but I love that guy. Um, you know, when we split up, I, I reached out to him and, and I, we sat right out here um, having lunch, uh, like, you know, two days after, um, after I left. And, you know, I just was like, bro, I, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Like, you know, he asked me a couple really uh, pointed questions. Um, you know, one of which is like, what do you want? <laughs> Nobody ever asked me that before. Um, and like, I didn't even know how to answer that question. I, I said, I don't know exactly what I want, but I know, I, what I know is I don't want what's been happening. I need something different. Like, you know, and, and he kind of just started challenging me with, with a few ways of thinking. You know, I mean, I had so much fear over, you know, getting, being judged by the church if we separate and all these things. Like, I just didn't, you know, like I said, I was trying to manage it all. Um, and, and, you know, he, there were, I mean, there were certainly others, but I mean, that was really elemental in our, in our story and just um, sitting with him and, and feeling super just like, okay, like I can, you know, God's gonna, God's gonna walk me through this, this, you know, this valley, so. Mine's kind of along the same lines. Um, I think having a friend who, I talked to Jade about this a little bit, um, who would just listen as opposed to, um, I'll pray for you, can I pray for you? Of course you can pray for me, but sometimes, especially before, like, you know, before I went to rehab and when everything was going down, it was like, I didn't want somebody to pray for me. Um, they were welcome to, but I just need someone to listen to me and just sit in it with me. Um, and I did have a friend that did that. Like, literally one day she just came over, she's like, I'm coming over, I just opened the door, and she just came and laid in bed with me and just laid there. And I think she was doing that because she didn't want me to hurt myself. But she was just there. Mm. And I think that, that having a person like that um, was amazing. Um, and I would say, not that the people that want to pray for you or don't know. And I think a lot of times people don't know how to handle a person in that situation. And so that's their easy, easy out is, I'll pray for you. Um, but I think having somebody actually just be with me um, was what helped me the most. Mm. Does that make sense? I don't even yeah, know. Yeah, that that's really good. All right, we got one more question. Yikes, just one more. There's so many. I know. Um, okay, I'll just read this one. And then if you guys have any other questions, they're super nice and approachable. <laughs> <laughs> so feel free. Sorry. Mm. <laughs> um, as fully believing Christians now, what advice or wisdom do you have for believers who are in relationships or pursuing relationships with non-believers now? Dating relationships? I'm supposing Or so. friendships? I'm supposing it's dating because... Yeah. yeah, that's a great question. Um, I, I have a lot to say about that. Ask my daughters. <laughs> <laughs> Um, they go. <laughs> yeah, I, <don't> <laughs> I mean, I, having people around you, being in a community, I think, um, again, this is one of the things, you know, callings for us, I think, to be around, um, you know, it's, 
our desires just will lead us into often places that we don't want to go. And, um, you know, when we're young and infatuated, obviously, like, it's, it's really difficult to sort of see the forest through the trees and, and having, um, having a community around you, I think is super important. Um, having people that you trust that can speak into your relationship, um, uh, you know, to, to, I mean, that was really something that was lacking, like I said, for us, like I, I remember, you know, I had these sort of what I now would say were red flags in our relationship, but I just, I didn't, you know, I was infatuated with this girl. I thought she was beautiful. And, you know, there's all these things that, you know, I'm like, I could just convince myself that, oh, well, it doesn't, it's, it, I minimized the, these things, but had I had somebody, you know, in my life that was a little bit wiser and, and um, you know, that knew me and even knew her and was, but would, you know, kind of point out, hey, like, these are some things that you should probably, you know, look at and, and look into. And, and there's no shame in it, you know? I mean, you're talking about your future, right? Like, um, I, I just, I think so much, you know, damage uh, happens, uh, you know, relationship, re relationally when, you know, you just kind of don't deal with, with, uh, yeah, not on the same page. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's obviously, uh, that was huge for us. Like I said, you know, I, I, I was, you know, didn't realize that, that we weren't until we got married. And then I was like, oh, we're, we're both we're doing this two, we're in two different worlds here and now we have to navigate a family and a life together with really two very different sets of convictions or, mm -hmm. you know, one that convicted one that wasn't. Yeah. But. I, I don't know, I, I don't know how to add to that other than it's not like, I, I don't, you know, I don't want to say it's hopeless because it's not, but yeah, I feel like just seeking counsel and something like that and having open communication with the between the believer and the non-believer about the future and what that would even look like. Yeah. We didn't do that either, so. Yeah, let me ask you one last question and answer it as succinctly as possible because I think it's actually helpful. I, Jen, I wanna ask you this. What would you say to the person in the room who is in an addiction right now? Um, and I think if we're in the room, I, th I think sometimes we like, only attach addiction to like three things. <laughs> it's like drugs, alcohol, and maybe sex. And then everything outside of that, we just call other things. <laughs> but the reality is like every single one of us have an addiction and attachment to sin. Mm -hmm. And that's, I mean, I was praying this earlier and Jay kind of laughed, but like it's true. Like we, as Christians, we are all in the rehab of Christ. Christ transforming us from the inside out all of us are attached to, like I might be attached to people's opinions about me being my source of security, um, making me feel good about myself, and alcohol might do it for Jen, but that doesn't mean mine's less evil than hers. And uh, <clears throat> so there are people in the room right now that are struggling with pornography addiction. They have a sex addiction. There are people in the room that do have drug addictions. There are people in the room that have addictions to any sort of substance. Some people are addicted to even shame, there's like, I'm addicted to shame. Shame does something for me and kills me all at the same time. Like, the person who's like, I'm, a, I'm stuck. I think I would. What do, I, what do you say to that person? To not be afraid of your addiction, to not be ashamed of it, and to seek help for it. Like, there are so many people out there that, I think I, I waited so long because I had so much shame and I was so scared of being judged by it, but to get help is way harder than to just stay in it. And if, 
if you can get help and get out of it, your life is so much better. But just to not be ashamed of it, yeah. I, you know, like there's people that you can talk to. You could talk to me. Like I, I, I have people that I know that. Ha I mean, we've we've had somebody come live with us already. That um, we, he's been sober now for two years, and that's the longest he's ever mm -hmm. been sober. And he equates it to living with us, even though I probably wasn't always very nice to him because he was like a big man child. But still, he <laughs> he finally seeked. He 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 put down his guard and said, Jen, I need help. Can you ask Jeff if I can come live with you? And I was like, but that was like a, a huge, huge step for him that like took probably everything in him. Yeah. And so. People. I mean, community, not being alone, you know, you, you, again, I think so much of it just is involves community and, and not being afraid to, you know, to, to speak find into community. it. Find, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I've come to, to believe that, you know, most, I mean, these addictions are birthed out of our disordered, you know, soul and, I mean, trauma, you know, is the word that we use, you know, in our common, you know, vocabulary now. But, I mean, I, I also have seen the effects of it and, and know that it's real. And, and I think, you know, everybody should ultimately kind of take an inventory of those things. I mean, if you find yourself caught in, you know, an extremely damaging addiction, I mean, some of them, I guess, what we... we we minimize, like you said, Corey, but, um, you know, there's a why. Yeah. Why am I doing that? Right. And I think that's, that's ultimately, you know, coming. I mean, God, I truly, I mean, He can, He, He, you know, heals the brokenhearted. And I've seen it, you know, firsthand. And like, the, obviously, there's, it's, I mean, it can be a process. I mean, sanctification takes a long time as we grow in, in the spirit and stuff. But as, you know, becoming a believer, um, even as you struggle with addictions, you know, I, I think continuing to just lean into your faith and to trust God as, as he continues to, to heal you. And don't be, you know, don't be afraid. You can't, like, expect change overnight. I think that's the biggest thing is it's like we have this conviction. It's like, oh, well, I'm going I'm to get, you know, healthy and sober or whatever. And you think that you're going to be a different person, you know, in 24 hours. But that just, that's not, that's not necessarily reality. Um, but like she said, having, you know, having people, you know, professionals, you know, as you're working through addiction, I think is, you know, extremely helpful. Um, but having trusted advisors to, to, to pray with you and to continue to help you walk um, the journey, um, uh, you know, of recovery from whatever that, that may be. I mean, the Bible tells us to, you know, to confess our sins to one another. And I think that's what's liberating. Like, you really, that's, I mean, that's the best way out of it is to continue to, to meet with community and trusted people and, and to confess your sins and, and just allow God to work in that process, mm. I guess. Don't be afraid. Yeah, don't be afraid. Yes. Well, guys, can you thank Jeff and Jen for uh, sharing their story? I just want to say this. Uh, you guys have been an incredible encouragement to me. And I know tonight was a little heavier. The topic was a little heavier. But if we're going to be honest about the real stuff in our lives, I think many of the things that you said tonight just attach at a very deep and core level. And my guess is it probably triggers and creates a little bit of an anxiety. Even just the anxiety of like taking a step to like step towards somebody, step towards a community, step towards change is like terrifying. But I feel like it's on the other side of that that Christ's liberating power is on the biggest display. So anyways, thank you guys for being so honest. You guys talked about some really, I mean, honestly, things that are hard to talk about in front of a room of 80-something people. And so we recognize that the story that you shared, uh, we honor that, and we are so thankful for that. So, and just as we close tonight, um, 
If you guys, I mean, Jeff and Jen said this before, if, any, if there's anything that resonated with you or you feel like you're a person who is stuck and you want to talk with somebody, Jeff and Jen are going to hang out here after. Please feel free to come up with them, grab their numbers, grab a coffee. They would love to make themselves available to you. And then Jade and I love you guys a ton and we're here for you. Um, but thank you. Sign up for the camping trip tonight by midnight. Um, guys, let's thank them again. Thank you so much. All right. <clears throat> Guys, let me pray. I'm sorry we're late. Uh, We'll be shorter next week, but let's pray. Uh, God, I love you so much. Um, Thank you for Jeff and Jen. God, thank you for their story. God, thank you that you really do change people. God, thank you that you've shown uh, your light into darkness. God, thank you that in the darkness of our hearts, the light of Christ has shined. And God, I pray that you would birth a new life into all of us, into this community. God, I pray for the person who is uh, struggling tonight in a dark place, Lord, that they would take the risky and faithful step of getting help. Um, God, I pray that we'd be known as a community here in Gilbert, Arizona, Lord, that will welcome the person who is hurting. God, give us the strength to love like Jesus, the wisdom to love like Jesus. And Christ, may we be found with you every day on our knees to get strength um, to walk with you and to love and to be filled with your spirit. Lord, we love you so much. Um, I pray that you'd bless us as we leave tonight. In the name of Jesus, amen.